Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lay Film, where we try to shed some light on some films that we believe deserve to be seen more. And we hope to generate a discussion around these films in the hope that they may interest you uh, to check them out in your own time. And my name is Kevin. I'm one of the co-hosts, and today I am joined by my fellow co-hosts. Patrick. Tyler. Richie. And today we will be discussing the 1995 drama August in the Water, directed by Gakuryu Ishii. And uh, right off the bat, um, I just want to give a little bit of information as to how I ended up picking this film. Uh, I was going through my watch list because if you're new to the podcast, the way that this typically works is for a lot of our film episodes where we you know, discuss them, we tend to switch off. So each person goes every episode that we do. And I was going through my watch list and I came across a movie by the same director called uh, Kyoshin or otherwise known as Mirrored Mind. And I tried looking up the movie because I just saw the poster on um, Letterboxd and I didn't want to like learn anything about it. I just wanted to find the movie and just watch it. But I couldn't find anything anywhere. And I ended up going on YouTube because sometimes YouTube actually has a bunch. No, actually, it does have a bunch of movies on there uh, free for viewing. And so I typed in the director's name and I came across a channel on there uh, called Zetai Japan. And the title of the video is called Japan's Punk Filmmaker, the early films of Gakuryu Ishii. And it talks about Ishii's origins about how in the 80s he created a bunch of punk films and was also very notable for creating the uh you know very very unique movements especially when it comes to cyberpunk in the 80s in Japan with a film called Burst City and the the person on the channel was uh talking about how uh, a lot more of these earlier films of Ishii's were much more charged and much more fast-paced and frenetic and uh, just very, very fast-paced. And then kind of towards the 90s, he started to slow down and reinvent himself by taking on a lot more uh, slower-paced films. And I came across August in the Water um, kind of in one of the request or in one of the recommended videos it was just kind of it was a tiny clip of Izumi the main character of the movie she is a diver in the film and it's this very strange sequence of her going up on top of the high dive and it's about two minutes long and the way that it's filmed it makes the mundane seem so uh, uncanny in a way and very surreal and the, the soundtrack and everything about it just really captivated me and after that I didn't want to look into it anymore but I found the full video or the full movie on YouTube uh, with English subtitles 
the only downside is that it's not that great a quality but for anyone who's interested in it uh it as of right now it's currently on youtube for free um you know given to us by a very generous uploader uh however if you look it up on google you may come across the internet i the internet archive website that has the movie for download which is for free as well and it's slightly higher quality and that's the file that i watched for this movie and um yeah outside of that what were some of your initial impressions of this movie um for me i would just say i totally agree with you kevin like as soon as i turned on the film i was immediately just captivated by that that first diving scene with the soundtrack and all the cinematography the camera movement leading up to that um i don't know i was just i just knew i was going to be in for a good one i was immediately sucked in right away that soundtrack especially just draws you in I really like the uh, the intro narration along with the uh, spectrum effect happening. I love that stuff. And the whole dolphin scene. And then just the feeling. Uh, it was pretty quick to feel like a, uh, a whole dream film. That makes sense. The town feels so empty at the start. And the heat towards the middle and end, it feels so overbearing. And uh, yeah, it has a dreamy feel the whole time through. It really stands out. And uh, yeah, it's not explicit, but there's so much to read into the film. Uh, and it reminds me of other films in certain ways, which in spoilers I will talk about. Yeah. Um... Bouncing off of what you said, Patrick, uh, about how dreamy it felt. Yeah, it felt like a, um, like a, I don't know, a hazy dream. And it, you knew that, uh, well, at least I did. Like, I felt like you were going to have to have a lot of patience to watch the film. Like, you knew that it was going to pace itself. And that, uh, yeah, it had this, like, calming presence about it. And I think the music worked really well. Um, yeah, to help the uh, the film keep up its tone. And um, yeah, I really like the uh, the lead actress in the film. Um, yeah, she was pretty uh, mesmerizing, and I like the fact that the other uh, characters like saw that, and it was yeah, pretty amusing at time at times. Yeah, I, I, I feel the the same way in terms of um the opening and especially with a lot of the dream logic that is used in it, um, since in the very first scene, as uh Tyler and Pat mentioned, it starts off with this very close up shot of like these etchings carved into what looks like a stone, and then from there. It talks about like how after a supernova, uh, 
was it what was it um supernova ends up exploding and two meteorites oh okay two of the same two meteorites crash at the same time in the same spot right yeah yeah so like apparently um a new black hole was created by an explosion of a supernova and then somehow it caused two meteorites to collide in similar within a similar vicinity of each other uh, not too far apart and the way that that's even brought up is just so strange and and it's elaborated on more later on but the visuals of the spectrum of light where you where it has like these very rich colors of, of blues yellows greens orange and reds and and just the way that it refracts in the water it makes it feel like we're entering into a whole other planet in a way um it feels very much like our own when we're sleeping though uh and for me as i was watching it it felt the way that i feel whenever i am dreaming as well as after i wake up from the dream um that's kind of how i felt after i finished it and it's it's just so mesmerizing and captivating um and it's it's a world that i could i would have gladly watched uh, any more additional scenes had they decided to add them i could have spent more time with any of the side characters to get to know them more and i one one other thing that uh, i think about when it comes to this movie is uh, even prior to watching this, sometimes I worry that there is a film out there that I am in desperate need of, but I won't be able to find it. Um, sort of like a phantom, a phantom uh, yearning <laughs> for something that doesn't even exist. And then going into this cold, I am very grateful that this movie exists even though it's incredibly difficult to find because apparently the uh, film distributor in the United States is no longer a company anymore and I think that they own the rights to this movie at least around here so that's why it's not available to stream there's hardly any physical media of it and the same goes for a lot of uh, Ishii's movies as well is that they're just very difficult to find, at least here in the United States. And I feel like this is the perfect movie for, um, you know, it, this is this to me is like why I love doing the podcasts with you all is because this movie to me feels like it's criminally underseen. And even on YouTube, um, like, as with the... The current upload right now there's like no comments on it but there's like the whole soundtrack that's available and so i i was like going through there earlier and just reading all the comments of like there's probably about like 30 or 40 comments but it's very touching to see just how much uh this movie spoke to those people because this movie is a film about loners and it made me feel a lot less alone watching it I got a big summer mindset feeling from it as well. 
This is like a it feels like a summer repeat film. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Every summer. It's uh, yeah, criminally underrated, underappreciated. I've never even heard of it until you picked it. Seriously, I got like um, like I'm just like how how is this not? I feel like this is something you should they should be shown like we should have watched in school. Like how did does Rice know about this? Somebody should send it to, to right. Him. <laughs> but uh, I just yeah, like I had like, this. You know, this movie reminded me. It made me think of um, Stalker, which we never uh, we didn't drop that right and as a pod. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's one of the the lost episodes. Yeah, that's almost like this movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I just like the spiritual vibe I got from it, especially like in the second half of the film. Once we, you know, like it starts talking about just basically being a part of everything and just down to the smallest type of molecules. And, you know, every everything's all like its own cohesive universe and different like in this different realm. I don't know. I just I love that. I love that shit. And yeah, like what you said earlier too, Kevin, about like it did feel like it gave it gave me the same feeling of being like you're in a dream, but you're awake at the same time. Um. Yeah, no, yeah, I just really enjoyed really enjoyed this movie. And just to provide a little bit more detail on the story, um. It, like I said, it, it focuses on the main character, Azumi, who is a star athlete at her high school. And the other two central characters are Mao, who is sort of the opposite protagonist to Izumi, and his best friend, Ukiya, followed by an oracle of sorts, Miki, who... I absolutely adored in this movie, and I can't wait to talk about more of her role in in this movie um and it sort of follows izumi on her on her on her sports path as she's undergoing various tournaments throughout the summer and this takes place of course in uh early august or probably mid-august i want to say in japan and it's 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 it sounds very mundane, but at the same time, it's the way that it's conveyed is in such an ethereal, very distant but close type of feeling. And I also feel that because of the quality, like the, the video quality that I watched it in, it felt even more dreamlike to me with it not being in high definition. Um, because I feel like that's how dreams tend to uh show themselves to me it's like i can i can see the the impressions but i can't you know i can see like the broader details as well but not the more minute ones and it's more like impressionism and that's that's what i felt a lot with this movie and um yeah there's there's a whole lot of if you're into mystical uh storytelling or any type of thing that goes in line with that or if you are a fan of the cosmos at all, or 
just <laughs> anything. It's very hard to find the right words for this movie because it's something that you have to see to believe. And yeah, those are pretty much all of my my thoughts on impressions of it. So if you want to check it out, do so on YouTube. It's up there for the time being for free or on the Internet Archive. Uh, I'm, I would love to hear anyone's thoughts if you end up writing into us. Um, but with that said, uh, do we want to give our scores of the film? Yep. All right. I'm going to go first. Uh, 4.5. Uh, really, really endearing movie. I like that. You guys all mentioned the uh, spiritual nature of it. Uh, love the uh, imagery. I love the uh, it's grounded in some ways and it's not, but it's still like a perfect mishmash. They capture that dream feel like again, the light spectrum at the very start. It's very like fully a rainbow waving across the screen and then it, it, it the camera pulls out and reveals like, oh, it's a refraction of light in a dolphin tank. And it just feels like the all the cinematography of this film is like a, it's the classic. Taking the camera and showing not the mundane because this is like 90s Japan, it's kind of kind of early future is what it feels like to me when I watch films from this era. Because there's like not a lot of modern modern movies made unless like uh, the writers gifted enough to include like like what's a film where like characters are on their phones 90% of the time there's low social interaction like a lot of films are still set like an era before it feels like certain things have gripped us culturally and this feels like a uh, it feels like like where the diving competition is it feels like a optimistic future tech architecture and society although there's something like the plot is aware of there's something deeply wrong that's affecting the environment the climate as well as people internally literally turning parts of them into stone so there's some, there's some kind of evilness or rottenness under it but like the diving competition is like oh this looks like a it feels less dystopian than a modern building that was built for that if that makes sense or it's my own <laughs> projecting irrationality perception but yeah i just love that in this film uh the camera really takes these somewhat typical environments like it feels like a, it's like here's like a, a fish not fish like but like outside of the hospital at a certain scene like the camera pans up and shows the horizon at night and it feels like oh it feels like a future hospital it feels like a star trek background versus a blade runner background and like optimistic future and uh, yeah like there's a great hotel scene and uh yeah i'll quit rambling about that but great movie the camera does a lot of uh appealing visuals and just a city setting and uh i love the slow meditative takes the feeling and the dream environment right i will go um i i'm not gonna joke around right now I'm giving this five out of five. Uh, this has been the movie I've been craving. It 
like Pat said, it is very it has a, a strangely optimistic tone to it um, for in spite of the fact of uh, it's dealing with a very turbulent set of uh, problems that are affecting the world at large, even outside of this movie in terms of sort of things not feeling too right in the world. Um, I'm sure that anybody can relate to that, and it sounds very general. However, this movie tackles the subject in a very helpful way uh, in that it shows how one might be able to overcome more of these existential problems that we're facing in our day and age and I feel like there's bits of environmentalism in this movie there's a, there's a spirituality of course there is a lot of content in relation to interpersonal relationships and sort of how anxieties can stem from the division that we experience in our waking lives uh, even just being in our bodies as vessels that are pretty much on their own uh, in the universe we don't we don't get to share consciousness with another person other than ourselves but this film goes on to show that we are much more linked than we can actually remember it goes into very metaphysical concepts such as anamnesis, uh, which is the concept of humanity having a set of preordained knowledge that we have to spend our lives unraveling in order to progress. It talks about the anima mundi, which is sort of the world spirit. And it also goes into uh, metempsychosis, which is more commonly known as reincarnation and I I feel like it's given me a lot of unique perspective on a lot of the uh, on, on a lot of my own um, questions and problems that I'm trying to navigate in my own life and it feels like the teacher I've been needing right now where they don't necessarily give me the answers but they help lead me to them. And I, even after watching it last night, I wanted to watch it earlier today uh, just because I feel like this movie will forever be timeless to me. And I'm very grateful that it exists. Um, thank you, Kevin, for fiving it because now I'm cleared for takeoff on a five as well <laughs> i will five the fuck out of this film <laughs> uh same thing like i don't know this isn't i grew up like watching all these like hollywood type movies you know just that typical same plot line every single time to where like i feel like now finally especially with the pod we're 50 episodes in i can finally like really not um I don't know, get distracted as easily like with films like this because it's obviously, you know, that's totally against that grain. And 
I'm just, yeah, so glad that I've seen it now because it's literally like a meditative experience watching this movie. Certain scenes with, like the like it, like the slow motion, just that soundtrack with just like those synth, synth little synthy waves in the background, like it. Um, I don't know if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but like it kind of gave me Kevin. I don't know if you saw it. Like gave, like the soundtrack sounded to me like because I was watching it on my headphones. I actually so I started to watch it on my uh, big screen TV on YouTube, like with like terrible quality. And then within like the first two minutes, I was like, oh yeah, this cinematography is amazing. And then I went to my computer and downloaded the movie and uh, watched it on my computer so I could get a little bit better quality. But the uh, the music, like I felt like it reminded me of like Dune, the new Dune that just came out. And I'm like, yes. this came out, yeah, this came out in 95. So I'm listening to it in my HyperX headphones, like loud. So sure, it probably sounded pretty wild, but I'm like, Holy shit, this soundtrack feels like it's like ahead of its time. Like, I feel like a lot of movies nowadays kind of replicate that or have that same type of sound. And they were doing it almost 30 years ago. But, um, yeah, I just love the deliberate slow pace, the camera movement, all the slides, the pans. Like you're just discovering something new in every frame. The little hamster running in the background when you go into Mal's apartment. Like there's always like something, like a little tiny thing in each frame. Um, but yeah, five out of five. Oh show. Um, for me, uh, I really liked. The um, how atmospheric the movie was. Uh, like the heat, how like the heat um, the heat wave was like, you know, dropping people like flies, and how their um their community was slowly collapsing, and um, and yeah, she uh Izumi was pretty much like at the center of it all. And uh, I like how she represents like both the uh, the elements. Um, now, like in the in the film, they had like a astrological, like a astrology reading to it, which I really really enjoyed. Um, yeah, like I don't know, I was kind of really into that at first. I was like, oh wow, that's interesting, because um, they're mentioning how uh, Izumi is like a Leo, and you know. Uh, yeah, like Leo's ruling planet is the sun. That's why it's really hot. And, um, yeah, and like, uh, what's the word? Um, Cancer's ruling planet is the moon. So she represents, like, you know, the water because, you know, Cancer is like a, it's a water sign. But anyway, that's like <laughs> a little tidbit for, um, astrology. But I mean, I thought those, that those aspects of the film were, were pretty interesting. I really like that part. Um, yeah, I liked how atmospheric it was. I think maybe the film was a bit too, um, slow paced for me. And don't get me wrong, like, I'm really, I'm really into, uh, films taking their time. But, um, I don't know. Something about this film didn't make me feel as invested. And, um, yeah, I do appreciate, like, some of the scenes where, um, uh, 
they're perform like she was performing and uh, doing her uh, nose dives and such. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like I kind of got lost along the way, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I'm probably the uh the one who didn't like the film as much as you guys. Um, but you know, I'm all for possibly taking another rewatch or reading of it in the future. Um, but um, yeah, I did enjoy the the music and and I thought that the ending was pr pretty heartening. Um, yeah, very uh bittersweet. And um, yeah, I will give this film a three out of five. With that, we'll head into spoilers. So we start off uh, once again with the voiceover going over the the famed rock or the, the meteor that collided into just just outside of the town. And we get the meeting of Mao and Izumi at the aquarium, it looks like. And I love the, like, I, I love how she's just immediately diving into the dolphin tank. Um, it's amazing foreshadowing. It is amazing just to witness this sort of otherworldly being, uh, just be at peace with nature inside of a, a, a human construct, you know, like these dolphins are not in their natural habitat yet. They're so open to letting Azumi be in the tank with, with them. Um, and it's sort of like it, it maintains that tension throughout the entirety of the film of this sort of uh, manufactured world versus the natural one and it is, is, it's a topic that you know countless movies have have uh, you know discussed and for me I feel like this one tackles it in a way that feels uh, that feels most organic in that it's not trying to um, go on about all these like philosophical musings all the time. Um, I mean, it has a bit of that when it comes to what the characters are experiencing and what they can put into words, but it's sort of this underlying unconscious narrative that is going on as this movie is playing out and the way that Azumi first sees Mao immediately sets the tone um, like Mao like it goes into this sort of jittery slow motion 
when he first sees her emerging from the water. And then we see his friend uh, kind of smitten by her as well. And the friend's name is Ukiya. And I I really appreciated his, his role in this movie. Um, but yeah, I, a very... Like, I, I think Pat mentioned it, where you were talking about how it has these sort of, uh, these sort of normal settings that you would find yourself in, for instance, like the high school or like an aquarium or, but it elevates it in a certain way to where it goes against the grain and adds something new to it, uh, with, with whether it's like being portrayed in a certain way, but it has a very unique perspective on the content that's being shown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to touch. I love the the central five characters, like the and then the dialogue and or I say credit credit to the film. It does it does like the dance of uh, like touching on themes, but when characters try to put it into words, it's like intentionally uh, not complete, and it's reflective of the character's limited perception. So it's like someone thought a great deal about. Uh, like the uh, the reference to the stone tribe at least my captions were calling it the stone tribe and it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's like that's such a uh, perfectly vague uh, interpretation interpretable like description of those who are even if they're directly responsible what I don't even know but it's like the stone tribe it's like okay it could be it could be I don't know even know what it could be but like I was like shoot I was going to like material like how she mentions there's the material realm and then the the spiritual one. And it's like, oh, OK, so maybe the stone tribe is like material only. <laughs> I don't know, but I you're not supposed to know. It's the beauty of the film. And then uh, it touches on so many themes like uh, I think it's Miki. Mm-hmm. Like I love the uh, and this is in 95, but like the Internet shaman, the gift shop shaman kind of feel she has. <laughs> When she's first introduced, like clicking away on an old computer, black screen with green text, like running his horoscope through a computer. It's like a perfect tech shaman thing that like in certain mediums, like I think in video games, it's like it feels so overdone. Like the now like a tech shaman concept is like so overplayed. But like this is in like every Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's something like that where like they have like a ritualistic outfit like no the yeah it's just the whole the beautiful contradiction is in like using a computer to do like a a spiritual pursuit or a <laughs> whatever that means whatever reading someone's are comparing astrology signs online is and like the film really highlights that and uh yeah that's a really good side character as well as the conflicts between the main three characters uh, where like there, it feels like there's maybe a competition for attention, but then it's kind of resolved, and there's a confrontation, but then there's a resolution, and all this happens without direct dialogue showing it. They just like characters will be together again, and like okay, they must have resolved the prior disagreement. We don't need to see it. It's a yeah. I'm about to elevate the score. <laughs> Put me down for five. Put I'm that bitch. Oh snap. 
I think my only real complaint was I watched on YouTube. I should have done what Tyler did. <laughs> so five out of five. I'll download it tonight. Yeah. I think that's what really drew me. Yeah, drew me in. Is like I immediately was like, oh, damn, like this looks really fire. Like I was like, I shouldn't be watching this on YouTube. I'm going to go to my computer. And it was a, it was probably twice as good on my computer for sure. Quality. Yeah, once again, if you go online and just do a quick search, um, if you type in August in the water download, the first link should appear from archive.org and a gracious <laughs> and wonderful person uh, uploaded it to there. And they have the video file in much higher quality along with uh, the sub file. Highly recommend viewing it that way, but man, does it make me wish or hope that uh, this movie will be reacquired uh, by Ishii if he doesn't already have it and it'll get remastered. It'll get the remaster that it so strongly deserves. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was, um, Tyler, you mentioned how you switched from watching this movie on your big screen TV to your computer along with headphones. I did the exact same thing. Um, I was listening to it on some uh, speakers and everything, and I eventually switched over to headphones, and it completely changed the experience for me. It's 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 insane. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I was like in the theater. Like, I also yeah, I had my like sound blaring. It was so like the music was so <laughs> wild at some points, like like jarring and almost like almost like scary. Like it was like so spiritual, and I'm like. I kept looking behind me because there's nobody in my house right now. Down, I literally kept. I was like, because my my headphones are so like noise canceling that I was like, someone could easily like walk up behind me right now, and if that happens, I'm going to like. There's no way I'm gonna be able to protect myself. I'm too locked in in this movie right now. I'm on but, the I'm on the spiritual journey. <laughs> see, it's like that goes to show how vulnerable you allowed yourself to be while watching it. It's so disarming in that way, isn't it? It was, yeah. Like, I was, like, I could, yeah. It was, like, I almost could tell that I, like, was so vulnerable. I was, like, I'm, like, too into this right now. Like, I need to, like, make sure, like, I don't know. It was weird. I was, like, why am I checking out? I was, like, why am I keep looking behind myself? No one's going to be in my house. But still, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, touching to the headphones was was the best decision I made today. What were you going to say, though? Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say uh, I, I felt the same thing. Like, I, I felt a lot of uh, paranoia at times because I would, like, zone out completely while watching the movie. And then I'd be like, oh, my God, like, I, I don't even know if somebody's behind me right now. Yeah. Even it's though, like, like, there's nobody else here. It's like that scene of her when she's in the classroom and he's like, all the kids, like, he actually says something, like, pretty profound, too. He's like, humans aren't. We we have no uh, benefit. We give no benefit to the earth. We're literally like we don't provide anything for the earth. We just take all of its resources, and all the kids are like super uninterested. And then once he's like, okay, now here's questions for the upcoming exam, and then everybody like locks in and is hella listening. And then Azumi's just like daring off into the spirit realm, like not even anywhere there in that classroom with them like that was me watching the movie right there 
<laughs> it shows you're not a part of the stone tribe. That was the feeling I got from that scene. <laughs> the professor's yeah. like too locked into the material realm and he's he's going on about we're 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 parasites and we're leeches. There's no inherent connection or whatever force outside of the observable. And she's out there looking towards the meteor. The meteor in the hills. <laughs> Perfect scene. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the transformation uh, that went on in Izumi's character. Um, I I wanted to... Well, I mentioned it a bit earlier, but uh, this concept of anamnesis um, that basically states... I mean, it, it's a concept found in Plato's uh, philosophy, and it basically... It, it states that as... as conscious beings we have sort of preordained knowledge that we are capable of achieving and that we have uh written into us from previous lifetimes and we sort of spend our entire lives trying to rediscover these concepts because due to the nature of birth it's so taxing on the soul that it strips away any sort of knowledge or experience that we've had prior to it so and then even once we pass with all of this knowledge instilled in us uh with the concept of the soul being sort of an eternal extension of uh this entity known as uh god in a way um it it it, it allows us to sort of uh to circulate and as 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 part of the whole once more until we are birthed yet again only to lose it all um i i really enjoyed how izumi starts off as sort of this uh this archetype of the star athlete in uh her high school and due to this accident that she that she that afflicts her later on in the in about like the midpoint of the film or probably even earlier she um something snaps inside of her to where it awakens all of that hidden knowledge that existed in her uh to the point where she is at she's almost um a divine being herself and that she can communicate with animals she can communicate with with a uh, foliage with the natural world in a way that makes her feel more isolated when it comes to speaking with a lot of her peers and even her sister um it, it's like it's <laughs> it, it's kind of a uh, hard to explain um or even articulate for me right now because she I, has I, wait what were oh, you saying my bad. No, go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say she has this one quote because it's the only quote from the movie I wrote down. She said, or I think it was the narration. Um, crap, where is it? Because I took a bunch. Uh, there are no boundaries between us. Even the desk, even the desk is me. Mm -hmm. Sorry. That's. Uh, oh, no, 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 not at all. That, that, that scene is that scene is probably one of the ones that made me cry uh i cried about two or three times during this movie uh because it's like when you see something that directly relates to like a lot of uh thoughts that don't necessarily have words put to them or feelings that you sort of experience throughout your life 
it's it's very um, cathartic to have these sorts of things put so beautifully. And when Izumi's talking about that, you know, sharing this this insight with Mao, even though she herself feels so disconnected, um, it, it goes to show like how much of a connection she has to Mao by uh, revealing these very uh, vulnerable thoughts that if you had told anyone else, they might have viewed you as crazy or insane or completely out of touch with reality. And what she's talking about is um, the division that we all experience. Like I mentioned earlier, where we're sort of we're sort of torn out of the collective whole and uh, put through this experience of birth in order to uh, experience a singular life um, devoid of the connection that we felt prior to it. Um, at least that's what I felt she was talking about. Um, and then the anxiety and the paranoia that she speaks of, um, where she used to have all these thoughts that would create nervousness when it, within her when it comes to thinking about her place in the world in relation to the other. Um, after this accident, she no longer felt those anxieties. Um, she would like look down at her fingers and see all the individual cells and even further past the atoms to the point where it was just air. But even then, the air particles had some sort of web connected to them where it just completely destroyed the illusion of separateness, um, even between, uh, you know, beings, you know, like we view the individual, um, as a sort of like an equal where, uh, some people may even view like animals or, uh, insects or plants as not necessarily being on par with, uh, with our own spirit, uh, with our own life force. And this movie, in that scene, she demonstrates how we are far more uh, related and far more... Uh, oh God, I'm, I'm struggling with this right now. Um, we are far more... No, there is far less division and there is much more unity and the universe as a whole, which sounds very cliche, I know, but the way that she puts it is just so eloquent because she sees these particles and it goes past her, her body. It goes into the desk that her hands are on and she viewed that as an extension of herself because what I, I think this movie is getting at, and at least in one of its messages, is that this whole concept of God, um, which I can go on a tangent about, uh, like even in in the name of of God, like it, it, it's it's a category, it's a it's it's us using made up letters and words and in order to categorize this this uh, divine life force that is omnipresent in this universe. And the universe is sort of like a microcosm of this phenomenon. And we exist inside of it. 
And just as stars are larger than us, um, just as planets are, we like zoom in more, eventually we come to us and our place in the world, but it doesn't end there. We are not the center of the universe. Uh, we, even in our own existence, we are not the central character um, because that's all just ego. And I don't know, it's... Uh, I'm tapping out. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm rambling right now. Attack in Pat. Uh, the dolly zooms on that same scene when she's talking Ooh. about the connectedness of everything. I love that. Slow. Yeah. I think there's like three of them, maybe. Just perfectly slow when she's talking about the. I think I had it open. She's talking about one who can see. The connect is the connectedness of all things. It's just a great little uh, use of cinematography and everything to really communicate. That she is different from the accident. And uh, yeah, from that, I'm 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 on board for the ride. I almost cried once. <laughs> but yeah, I did not expect that from this movie, even when I was halfway through it. I was like, I won't cry at this. <laughs> and yeah, there's a certain part that really jumped out at me towards the end. I was like, oh, but I stayed strong enough. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a great, a great philosophy movie, or at least a great springboard to just talk about all the stuff and what it could mean. This, this movie, um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, but this movie really made me want to... I've been watching these documentaries. This movie really made me want to do a whole bunch of mushrooms and, like, really dive into that spirit realm. Because I saw I saw this documentary on Netflix, so they've been giving people, like, old, like people basically, not on hospice, but, like, approaching death. They've been giving them <laughs> mushrooms, and, like, these, these are people, like, Christians or whatever, somebody who's never like done drugs in their life, and they try these mushrooms and they have this crazy like spiritual experience, and they say all the same things that kind of that this movie gives off is like everything is connected, you know, down to the last molecule, to where you know like you, we can't communicate with a dolphin, but you know what I'm saying, like. Uh, to where it's just you get that feeling that you know there's there's more to it than just like this realm that we live in to where it gives people like a uh like a better sense or a better feeling you know approaching death and stuff and uh yeah like i just i want to be izumi like i want to be freaking in touch with the trees and the dolphins and nature and everything that the earth has to offer you know like when she's holding her hand or the under the faucet that was another thing too that i really appreciate with this movie is like what do you guys think how like the waterfall scene because when i first saw it at a trickle i was like okay there's no way they're gonna get this waterfall to immediately start like gaining water and then turn into a massive waterfall but then it did later in the film my only explanation is like okay so like did they like get in coordination with 
whatever the city or the town and like there's a dam and they opened up the dam and they happened to be there recording it when it was dry and then the dam water came through i was thinking the exact same thing i was like, like did they set up a little barge up there how'd they do that that's why i was like this movie is the shit like they fucking did everything like you i, I think that would probably i don't even know how you go about that like i guess you just know like that's got to be dangerous being there too you know like well the because that was a lot of water like that was all of a sudden like a raging little river compared to a little trickle which i just thought was awesome like i don't know how much of a budget this film had and stuff but it's just cool that they knew about that spot and found it and were able to uh relay the message in the film with it But right, that's got to be the only explanation is they opened up a dam. Maybe they could have dumped a bunch of water up there. Maybe it was Dude, like a... I was thinking that, but there's no fucking way, bro. That's so much water. That's like, I don't think it was a miniature because it looked, it looked pretty convincing when they were there. No, was that? Yeah, that was like on location. Like I was thinking because like my stepdad builds pools like it's like 40, yeah. 50,000 gallons of water into like a average size pool. And if you put 50,000 gallons of water, I think at the top of that waterfall, it's going to rush for like maybe two seconds, one second. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I uh, wanted to touch on something that Richie mentioned earlier uh, in terms of the astrology that's present inside of this movie. I I feel like in a lot of movies, I don't really see too much of that. Um, of course, it's touched upon at times where it's like, oh, what's your sign? Like that sort of thing. But it felt very refreshing to see uh, Miki's character be sort of an oracle in that regard or a shaman type figure who was actually revered in a way, um, especially especially in relation to Ukiya's character. Um, one thing I like to do that I don't really tell people is um, whenever I'm watching things, I like to guess people's placements um, because I, you know, a lot of people um, tend to bag on astrology and that's completely okay. Like you can do and believe whatever you want to say. Um, for me, it has helped be it has helped uh me navigate through a lot of uh dynamics when it comes to communicating with people for helping to gain some more insight and perspective on why or how they might go about doing things why they do the things they do um it, it's sort of a, a nice little uh tool to have when it comes to community or just when it comes to connecting with other people as well. Um, and when Miki's character was talking about how uh, Izumi is a Leo and has a lot of uh, placements with that are uh, in relation to planets that favored water elements. It was a nice little juxtaposition between having this very fiery, energy and sort of 
it, it makes sense in in terms of is of Azumi's character because even with the high with the high dive, um, you have somebody walking out on this tiny platform high above in the sky, and all these eyes looking at them in a very uh, with a lot of admiration, and that's something that's very key uh, in terms of that type of Leo energy, and with Miki, I viewed her as being uh, a perhaps a Pisces um, because she was one that is very in touch with the cosmos and doesn't uh, doesn't downplay it at all either which I, I very much appreciated and uh, with with Ukiya's character I viewed him as almost I, I want to say he's got to have some sort of Capricorn placements because he values a lot of tradition and a lot of uh, ancient knowledge that has been passed down for generations and probably with some with some air placements as well because of how um, happy-go-lucky he is but with Mao's character I viewed him as being an Aquarius or having Aquarian tendencies uh, or placements I should say because he's very standoffish and very logic driven um while also being somewhat detached in a way which makes sense as to why izumi and mao connect because those are two very compatible plate uh two very compatible signs with leo and aquarius it could be something different but that's just my take on it um but i found it very refreshing how they even showed mao's character his skepticism towards uh you know that which cannot be explained you know that which goes beyond the explanation of logic and reason because uh, in this movie reason sort of takes a back seat it is not it does not supersede the uh the ethereal the intu the intuition and subconscious presence that's uh that is just always beneath the surface of this film and I really appreciated his growth as a character um, throughout the movie when it comes to believing in that in in the unexplainable. Even with uh, Yukiya's uh, genuine efforts to be there for his friend, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Like even in that scene with Miki and. Yukiya, where she, where he's like, oh, can you do like a sinistry check where you know you check my signs with Zumi signs, and then Miki just looks to him and says, yeah, your signs don't match up at all. Like, <laughs> good luck. Um, he sort of accepts that, like he doesn't fight it. Um, but that's not to say that you know you should believe it a hundred percent because there's always falsifiability in anything that we come into contact with. Because, you know, anything can be disproven if if we have enough time and effort to disprove it, probably. But um, I I love how how he holds such high revere for Miki's character as a very wise and uh, distinct personality. It's like she is in touch with the cosmos, um, a fraction of what or no, actually on par with the Zumi in a way. Um and after the accident, Mao is very quick to resign his 
his own belief that Azumi will be okay. And Yukie comes up to him and offers him a, a charm and tells him in a way it doesn't hurt to make some sort of offering or prayer with, you know, by sending out that energy, hoping that, you know, with, with your best intention of, um, hoping that she gets well soon and lo and behold, he does it. It's, it's sort of the argument for, um, the belief in God in a way or any type of religion where you have the person who doesn't believe in anything versus the person who does. Um, and it's sort of the argument of what's the purpose in believing in anything. Uh, let's say that you are right, you die, and then there's nothing. And then there's the counterpoint to that where it says, why not believe? You know, <laughs> if, if you end up believing and then you die and then you were wrong, that's okay, it's, it's nothing. But in the off chance that you did believe in it, and it did happen to to exist it's it's kind of the reward in and of itself it, it's it's sort of like why people choose to be optimistic it has sort of like a why not attitude to it and i'm i'm not sitting here saying that i'm a religious person because i'm i'm not a religious person uh, i am i i view philosophy as being the saving grace that has helped propel me and navigate uh, be sort of a, a compass for myself as I navigate through life. And of course, I relate that back to my own relationship with spirituality as a whole. And I am a firm believer in the unexplainable. Um, even in this concept that I mentioned earlier, what that is is named, you know, God um, in very conventional religions like Christianity and uh, a whole lot of other movements that go by different names um but it, it it's sort of um it reminds me of this this very problematic issue that is going on in today's society there's a lot more paranoia and anxiety and there's a lot less uh meaning that we are imbuing in our lives uh it's it's a very neurotic period in history uh, with, you know, if if we take a look at like Nietzsche, who uh, talks about the death of God and the ascent or the descent into nihilism, um, what he was talking about with nihilism is that in order to overcome that, uh, we have to embrace life in order to self-actualize, in order to achieve our potential, in order to embrace the suffering that is living a singular life <laughs> and not not getting everything we want not having it be ideal um and with this more scientific uh and technological history that we're living in uh there's a lot more people who are not as religious anymore and it's it's taking a massive toll on the collective psyche because it's causing us to have a fragmented um, perspective on life as a whole. Uh, there's That's why we see so many things uh, in relation to multiverses now. Uh, we see a bunch of regret. We see a bunch of um, disassociation. We see a bunch of uh, all sorts of coping mechanisms 
that a lot of people had or do have when they believe in, in such uh, things as religion and spirituality and other uh, other forms of connection to the universe as a whole. Especially when it comes to understanding our place in it. And um, with that, there is a lot more isolation that we experience. There's a lot more loneliness because with the dawn of the internet, we are more connected now than we've ever been. However, we're also more isolated than we've ever been. And it's very troublesome. And I think that that's what this movie uh, tries to tackle. Well, it, it, it raises a lot of um, talking points around this th these subjects because it, it's sort of a warning against the <laughs> the current way of the world and that it's going. And and it's even more disturbing that this movie was made in 1995, and here we are in 2022, and. Boy, am I feeling it, Mr. Krabs. I am feeling it in terms of existential pain, um, despair, uh, especially in regards to how nature has sort of... Like like Tyler mentioned um, with the teacher in uh, that scene where he's talking about how humanity hasn't... Humanity is 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 pretty much a blight upon the earth and it's become that way because we have become so out of balance and so out of tune and out of synchronization with the natural world and it's like the world doesn't care because the world will be fine whether we're a part of it or not it's it's basically up to us to try and tap into this anamnesis that we have instilled in all of us in order to usher in the new era of humanity because it's talked about where uh they they bring up a lot of um relation between the human mind along with a computer and they say that uh with consciousness the way that it's going soon enough we will have no need for a body and that's sort of where, where the, the whole concept of the stone people come in, is that it's a material uh, life force. Um, and with the stone people coming back, they're pretty much taking away their spirits out of, out of uh, these living beings because they sort of failed the test. They are now going back to the collective... Uh, anima mundi in a way uh, the collective soul of the world and <laughs> to me I feel like we are well on that way and it scares me very what? very much um, because it, it scares me because we have yet to see the potential of ourselves we, we've sort of um with the development of technology, it feels like we are increasing at a far faster rate than our brains are capable of understanding um, and coming to grips with. It sort of feels like whiplash right now, like we're in the whiplash phase and it's a very uh, turbulent time 
and the reaction that we take to it is going to be the thing that um, that sort of makes or breaks the next phase in human history. And I am hopeful. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm still very hopeful that uh, truth and 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 goodwill and common just concern for all living things, whether they're material or not, uh, triumphs in the end. That's sort of, Boy. yeah. <laughs> I think we're just going to keep going with technology, man. <laughs> technology will save us. If we all drive an, if we all drive an EV, that'll solve all the problems. We all drive a forty to sixty thousand dollar new car. That'll save the earth. So back to what I was saying earlier. I'm just saying, what would happen? What would happen if everybody took five grams of mushrooms? Everybody in the whole world at the same exact time. Mm -hmm. Part of my idealism is saying there would be it would be mass hysteria. Yeah. It'd be mass hysteria, obviously, obviously. <laughs> but in the wait, in in the coming days, the afterglow of the world, I think, would be spiritually better. I think it'd be like dead space so because I'm not there's on no. Board. I don't know though because I mean what I mean there's not. Anything that we're doing now, we're just getting further and further away from yeah. this realm of spirituality, I guess, other than other than religious practice, of course. I, I think we'd create a psychic a psychic swell so large that like a parasitic organic planet on another part of the solar system would probably find us <laughs> faster than they would normally. So that's why I'm a little hesitant. No, that's obviously a terrible idea. I'm the no, I'm, 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 I'm doing a dumb joke. Hey, no, it's I know, better than I mean, everybody, did, everybody to do <laughs> mushrooms, probably not the best idea, but I'd rather do mushrooms than drive a Tesla. So I'm on board, Tyler. I, I mean, if you're offering me a Tesla or mushrooms for free, I'm taking a Tesla for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Gas is too expensive out here, bro. Uh, you you bring up you bring up an interesting point though, Tyler. Um, I'm not trying to sound like the freaking like hippie fucking druggy guy. I'm just saying like I really think like honestly after every time like I'm not over here abusing goddamn mushrooms, okay? But I just I I feel like I've now realized the benefits of them to where I do like a little microdose and then I get like a little pep in my step for the next few days, like just as like a I don't know, like it feels like there's something different. Because when you do mushrooms, you do get more in touch with, like, the trees, the fucking sky, lighting, everything, sound, all of that, where it does get you a little more in tune with everything to where, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, maybe it could be beneficial. You're, you're selling me. I need to be deprogrammed a little bit. Pat, you should watch this uh, documentary I watched. I'll send it to you. It's pretty, send, pretty interesting. 
What's the What's the name of the documentary? Uh, let me look it up real quick. Oh, sure. So even my mom, my mom um, has been sober for 10 years, is cons- or not considering, but like just the way she spoke about doing mushrooms as like a, uh, so like these people do it, like these old people will take, or elderly people will take uh, whatever dosage of mushrooms. I don't, they didn't never say what it was, but I'm assuming it's, a pretty high dosage because they basically like take it in a room in a controlled room with somebody watching them um as like a guide and then yeah they just you know you're there for the journey and so my mom was even thinking about uh she's like yeah you know i can see it i can see it being cool she's like i don't know though she's like i think i might just want to be like a guide or something like i could be a guide for people and i was like damn that's crazy because my like my mom's sober she hasn't uh you know she's very anti anything mind altering where i just thought it was surprising i'm like damn see like you know i'm like wow even my mom could fucking you know consider the benefits to uh something like this i wanted to go back real quick to the the miki part or the miki and miki and yukaya character differences uh towards the end is a great part where uh it starts to rain and uh a good little details uh miki immediately like says uh zoomy to herself because she knows somehow she knows she's connected enough and then yukaya is like running around like an idiot <laughs> really hurting the scene but that's a <laughs> I just wanted to touch on that part of like, oh, man, that hit that hit hard when Miki says it. And then immediately he's doing a dumb thing. It's like, God damn it, man. But you still like him. I still like him. (laughs) Yeah, the whole. um, The whole chronology of the film when it comes to. How. Water plays such a, a unique role in this specific city, in this world. Um, it starts off with it, even, even, um, with Mao and Izumi first meeting after, uh, at the dolphin place, uh, she goes and practices at her high dive. And then we immediately cut to a fall to another scene where it's just a torrential downpour. And we see Mao giving Izumi ride on his motorcycle. Um, from there on water tends to play more and more of a scarce role at, at least as a as a character that is uh constantly present um because the next instance that we get is the festival that that goes on and i want to say that that festival i i looked in, into it a little bit it's um it's called the F- the Fukugawa Hachiman Matsuri. And it's apparently the, like, at least one of the biggest festivals in Japan uh, every summer because it is dedicated to, you know, providing uh, relief uh, to to the heat and, and the humidity that a lot of people face there. And, uh, and it, it sort of got it, its origins, I want to say, in like the 1600s, I want to say, which to me is like absolutely baffling that 
a custom like that has endured for hundreds of years. Oh, okay, so it looks like it was uh, it was celebrated at the start of 1641 um, in tandem with honoring the god Hachiman, which is considered the guardian of Japan. It's the divine guardian of Japan and its people. And it was really, I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful being able to see such a, such a beloved festival and custom uh, shown on screen like this. And even uh, how it sort of takes a darker turn towards the end with that uh, series of flashes that Izumi experiences uh, above the, the high rise with Mao. We sort of get the feeling that uh, although this blessing has taken place, the divine being is up with the way things currently are and that it hasn't been satiated. We see the water on the ground slowly evaporate over a time lapse and along with seeing the heat. And then we just see more and more people collapsing to the stone disease. And even with the name Azumi, uh, it meaning spring or uh, fountain, and Mao's character meaning uh, perfect, I think it means like perfect fish or divine fish, even though he's terrible at swimming, it's a nice little dichotomy between the two and their roles as being sort of, uh, oh gosh, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? As sort of being these uh, vessels for the element of water and uh, air and the the two things that get created between that, which is uh, thunder and lightning and rain and all of these different things. Um, it's it's so, it's so heavy on the air and and water elements in this movie. Um, I I didn't really find too much. Actually, no, there is a lot of the other two elements, but. And even with the uh, the meteors that Izumi's sister, I, I want to say it's her husband that uh, takes some samples of the meteor from the crash site. Uh, it looks like there's a shamanic ceremony imprinted in into the meteor itself, which. I don't know, it, 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 it all like just appears to be like a water ceremony in a way. And I don't know, I just I just love the role that it that it plays, especially before the accident where Azumi doesn't necessarily feel herself anymore, because when she goes to the high dive, especially in the earlier scenes, she is so one with the element that she sees herself as being a water drop being added to the pool whereas on the tournament that Miki um, sort of has some prescience about about an accident occurring on a specific day and how it all lines up to where it's a uh, her position in the tournament taking place she gets freaked out about the water she doesn't feel that um, she can perform her best because the water feels feels much more harder, almost concrete in a way. And that's sort of the beginning of the end for her character, because it represents a death, a death of um, 
her moving past this sort of physical realm where she is no longer in tune, but has transcended that in a way, which we find out in the end. Um, her being is sort of a phantom where her her physical body sort of, uh, I, I want to say she says something along the lines of her physical body perished during the accident and her spirit's been wandering the, the town ever since that day, trying to rectify the imbalance that has been hyper-present since who knows how long. <laughs> yeah. I think I I like the uh I like that uh little shift that causes her to have the accident is because the uh the pool briefly looks like a stone pool or rock a rock face she's jumping into as well as the uh I really enjoyed the shots of the clouds and uh yeah there's such there's such an emphasis on water as well as like in the names, Azumi and uh, Mao, and then uh, yeah, the water, water against stone. You know, water erodes stone, creates rivers and seas, and there's just so much stuff of like the, the shots of the long clouds in the blue sky. It's all it's the water cycle. Uh, when the professor's or the teacher, instructor, when he's doing his bit about how humans only take and never are not in tune with nature, the all that stuff. I think he, on the on the waterboard behind him is the water cycle and all and all its details. Or like the yeah, it's just great little details of like, oh, that's why the clouds to me. I remember communicating like, oh, yeah, clouds are part of the water cycle. That's why we keep seeing them, but they're not they're not releasing their water yet. It seems like they're retaining it and going elsewhere, leaving the place dry. And then, yeah, the great shots of the water quickly evaporating as people collapse. It really communicates that, like, the, the liquid inside them is leaving. The, uh, the spiritual aspect of them is being claimed by the stone tribe. However, what that means, but, like, yeah, their organs are calcifying to... They're losing the liquidity is what I took it as. Like, yeah. And then the grim... The grim moment when Azumi's final call to action even though she believes she's been dead since the accident is when her sister collapses and she hears of that and it's like okay i i even think they reference that her uterus has become calcified i could be wrong though but then yeah azumi's like okay it's time for me to return balance i gotta be ready and then uh this is we're in the spoilers obviously but towards the end when uh there's some time skips happening. The Zumi sister shows up with a son, I believe. And her husband has returned because of the meteorological phenomenon and all that stuff. It's a weird way that Zumi somehow brought the town, everyone together, and even Mao, like to a. It put him on the path where he's a bad swimmer, but, uh, Towards the end of the film, we see that he seems to be ready to reach Izumi's level. And yeah, it's just very emotional, especially when he's he uh, embraces the rock towards the end. That almost got a tear out of me. Yeah, you bring hard, yeah, 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. that hard cut to the him on the rock. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's it. You bring up a really good point with Mao's character and how she was kind of the the igniting factor of him overcoming this deep seated fear that he has of the water. Uh, because even after uh, the hospital scene where Izumi is in the coma, we see Mao sleeping on i want to say a lawn and then the sprinklers are are on at that point i want to say and then he looks over and sees uh, a young girl who is sort of forgiving mao for something that happened in the past mm -hmm. and i like how it wasn't explicitly stated what happened i i could be wrong if that detail slipped over my head but um i really liked how it didn't divulge every bit of information um, and that in the end trying to hold on to Izumi as best as he could is what ended up propelling him into the water once more to overcome this fear and to come to grips with his own past in order to make way for the future for a more productive one I should say uh, realizing his true potential which as we can see later in the movie, uh, sort of in the epilogue, that it it helped restore something that was lost or neglected in that specific part of the world. And the place is all the more better for it. Oh yeah, that that beautiful I, I, I'm trying to remember the name, but when, when Mao's an old man, there's like a plaque at the site and they've dug up the the rocks around where the meteor landed. And it's actually like a Stonehenge type situation. A Stonehenge. It looks like a ceremonial spot that this meteor happened to land on. Exactly. And then they dig it up and there's like a some kind of scientific theorem or like star map on the plaque. And it looks like it's a rever it's a revi it's a reverend shrine, like everyone's taking care of it. Or it's like a yeah, it just feels like a site of great importance. And that part really. That part really hit me and that like it communicates like they reach an optimistic future. They reach. Uh, they reach the prolonged balance, it seems like maybe they're traveling the galaxy. We don't need to know. But yeah. It's just, yeah, it's such an open but easy to interpret scene in that, as well as the girl who appears to Mao and uh, forgives him, which was that really hit hard. It's like I, I just interpreted it as, yeah, like uh, maybe he was younger, he was her age and he couldn't he wasn't brave enough to hop in to try to save her. Maybe it's a younger sister or older sister. It's hard to say that somehow, you know, died in the water or drowned or whatever the situation. And yeah, it, yeah, it kind of resolves his trauma with that. Then he has a new, a new aimlessness in helping Izumi recover if she pulls through, and then all that other stuff happens. Great movie, five out of five. I can keep rambling all day. I, uh, I guess I can. I mean, just some additional thoughts that I have on the movie itself, or I guess things that we've discussed as well. Uh, Tyler was bringing it up in regards to mushrooms and how how they can 
create a sort of a cleansing effect on the soul. I I definitely can resonate with that as well. I have taken mushrooms in the past and this afterglow feeling that Tyler spoke of is very, very real. I had a very profound experience myself a few years ago. Um, as Azumi said, uh, suddenly I found myself yearning for trees, leave, ground, water. Uh, it, it really opens up your heart and because they become, they're no longer just everyday objects. They become very near and dear to the soul as uh, they once perhaps felt at an earlier time in life. And to me, it, it the most at peace I've ever felt in the universe um, where I didn't know my name or like any sort of like details in relation to my ego was when I was on mushrooms. And I can remember that feeling so well because it struck me to my core. It sort of uh, rustled my leaves a bit and shook me out of the slumber that I feel like I had been so deep entrenched inside for years. And it just felt so vindicating as well as liberating to sort of have these old cogs inside of my head up and running again um, to where I can clear away uh, tired paths that no longer suited me uh, that once were paved at a younger age for survivability but now I'm not that person anymore and I don't have to follow those same pathways anymore I can choose to create new ground for myself um, and I can understand the inherent power that is present in all living things um I went on to uh, Ishii's website. He, he has a website that it looks like it's from like 2005. <laughs> like it, it hasn't been like updated in a while. But um, there's a section on it uh, called Original Contents. And it's for people to send him questions. And he goes and answers all these things. Uh, and... One person was writing in from, I want to say Italy, on a dissertation on uh, one of Ishii's movies. Um, and they were asking Ishii about the role that nature was playing in this film. Um, and uh, it, it was talking about the relationship of uh, flowers versus humans. And... In, because in the film, it showed flowers as being like these very enduring objects of uh, being like so life affirming uh, against the, the backdrop of death because death is just another cycle. It's it paves the way for rebirth in a way. And uh, he was talking about how people tend to view like flower tend to view like flowers and plants as like this uh, as like these teachers of uh, being ultimately more powerful than um, 
we believe them to be because although they just sit where they are all day every day it's about the consistency it's about the perseverance of of just living <laughs> and i found that to be very touching um because it's although we are very different from you know plants from insects from animals uh, in terms of our consciousness from what we understand in this current time it could be different down the road um, I'd like to believe that it's different I actually do believe it's different um, uh, it, it just makes me very um, content to know that nature has inherent intellect and insight uh, that we are only just beginning to scratch the surface on in the course of human history um, because we've only been around for a small a very small portion of the of this planet's lifespan and I, I think that by going back to nature uh, not necessarily hoping to get answers out of it but as sort of a, a meeting of um, this ancestral teacher um it can help lead us to the answers that we so desperately seek like i'm a firm believer in in solitude because it's very easy to be influenced by outside forces and especially if you find yourself in a more uh, densely packed town city metropolis it just becomes all the more dizzying and I, I think that um, what this movie told me is that as we propel ourselves into the, into the future, if we lose sight of meaning and we then it, it's just it's just a, a domino effect. It, it, it will spell the, the end of humanity as we know it. And unless we can actually come to grips with our own place in the universe, um, if we can tap into this knowledge that's been passed down for, to us just through ancestry alone, and the more unity that we find between our waking world and the unconscious one, um, I think that there somewhere along that journey, we will find what it is that we're looking for. Well, my, my well's running dry. <laughs> but I didn't want to say, uh, there are mushrooms in the film, too. <laughs> yep, the bioluminescent yeah. ones. Yeah, I, I, it took until you said that. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, you guys like, oh, shit, those are really in the movie. <laughs> I've been zoning out remembering like my favorite parts i forgot that part where i was like oh look at that that's neat and then i kept like oh okay but who's who's azumi with on the rock <laughs> who's the killer <laughs> we haven't even touched on the killer mm -mm. no it's a it's a dense movie yeah there's there's so much <laughs> there's so many like unique symbols like i want to say um after that whole uh, that conversation that Izumi has with Mao about how she was saying how she isn't scared about boundaries anymore, 
I, I want to say that they're walking alongside a massive lotus field. And I could be wrong about that. Um, but that's what it looks like to me. I'm going to look up what a lotus looks like just to be certain. Um, yes, sure, right? yeah. it, yes, it's a massive lotus pond. And the 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 beautiful thing about lotus is that like you know if you look it up anywhere it'll talk about like the meaning of it about how they are birthed in darkness they're they like pretty much start their lives beneath submerged in water and in mud and muck only for them to find their way outside of the water looming you know gesturing up towards the sun only to create this incredible blossom you know, reaching its full potential and then passing away once more. And to me, that's like a, a direct through line this movie. Because um, it's like we are all birthed in darkness and it's such a it's such a crazy experience that like we just completely forget about it entirely, but it stays with us for the entirety course of our lives. And we're, we sort of like fight this way through like adolescence, you know, trying to fight our way back up to air. And then once we reach the air, that's when we discover what our voices are and who we are and like our identity. And then that's us like extending our leaves up to the sun to like, you know, find more life energy to carry us on this journey. And then the self-actualization at its peak is us finding our 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 blooming season, you know, and I, I could go on and on about this movie. <laughs> it's criminally underrated in so many ways. I'm mad I haven't heard of it. I know um, it, it's sort of I, I looked a little bit more into it and it falls in line with this movement called Denpa. Uh, in in Japan, and it talks about. I'm I'm just on the wiki explanation of it. I know it's not that deep, but um, it says denpa is a Japanese term for individuals or persons who may feel disconnected or disassociated from the people around them. They may entertain wild fantasies and persecutory delusions or other strong beliefs, and their speech or actions may seem strange or incoherent to outside observers. Denpa literally means electromagnetic wave, which is hyper present in this movie. Uh, at the meteor site, it has this very strong magnetic uh, yeah, effect. Compasses, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the original sense of Denpa-san was of someone who thought they were receiving voices, thoughts, or instructions directly to their mind via electromagnetic radiation. It is often used as a term to describe a subgenre of horror and anime, manga, Japanese visual novels, and uh, other mediums that share characteristics with this term. And a part of this movement, I can definitely see a lot of my um, influencers, like for instance, like Hideaki Ayano, is definitely a part of this movement, um, especially in terms of love and pop. Um, this movie is a direct. Uh, it's like one of the one of the leading films that embodies this movement um, and even in even as as in, in my own artistic pursuits 
I can feel this being a core, uh, basically a cornerstone of my own uh, expressions that I'm trying to share with the world of just this feeling of uh, being so disconnected from everything and everyone around you that it sort of feels like a like a alternate world that you're a part of that feels like a phantom in a way big memoria vibes i wanted to throw that in there too absolutely this this movie and memoria would serve as an excellent double feature no way you can watch i can never watch these back to back Memoria and this. They're too soothing. I'm I'm too at peace watching these. <laughs> I gotta I gotta keep the fear up. I gotta always be scared. No, Pat, no. <laughs> yeah, uh Thank you for picking this. It's I I had I went in blind. And uh like you said, this this is one of the this is a core a core pastiche film, a core when I daydream about being able to make something that communicates something to people. I would greatly prefer it's something like this, regardless of its reception, than like a Transformers 5. That's a, another thing that Ishii touched upon in one of his questions and answers that I translated on Google Translate. Um, he talks about how... Um, well, a question that was asked to him was, what was the meaning of the movie? What, um, you know, just typical questions and uh, what it was that he was trying to express. And he ended up saying something along the lines of, if I knew what I was trying to express, I wouldn't have made a movie about it. Um, I would have, you know, put, uh, I would have condensed it into words in, in a novel or a paper or some sort of medium. Um, and it, I found that to be quite, touching um especially because like i've been feeling very lost in my creative pursuits this this movie helped me realize that i've lost a lot of meaning uh in my own life at least in that area and it basically made me feel like that's okay it it made me feel at peace with that and it sort of reinvigorated me uh by showing me that there is meaning in embracing no meaning, um, thereby creating ground for new meaning. And it made me um, also circulate back around to the idea of even creating anything, um, especially if it's a, if it's a film, um, because I find that a lot of my ideas, I end up, uh, shutting them out completely like I don't really give them a chance to make their way onto paper a lot of times and you know just for fear of what I'm trying to say won't be valued because a, a film is not a film unless it's shared with other people and I want to create more films because there are so many things that I cannot explain that I would like to share with people because I cannot put them into words, whether they are feelings, phenomenon, um, atmospheres, characters I have yet to know, 
anything like that. And this this movie was the teacher that I've been needing. But um, with that said, do we have any closing thoughts? Uh, nothing except for uh, watch the movie. It's on YouTube. The quality is not the greatest, but watch it there. And then when you like it, download it from the Internet Archive. Great stuff on that website. Yes, I definitely agree. Um, I would love to hear people's thoughts on this movie. If you happen to check it out, you can reach out to us at leafilmpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on our Instagram, our handle is at leafilmpodcast. Feel free to share anything you want with us. It would be a pleasure to interact with, with some of our listeners. But until the next episode, wish you all the best and hope you enjoyed this discussion. Mm-hmm.